Wow, church, good morning. It is good to be back. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, if you enjoyed your Sunday school class this morning, can we get an amen? amen? That's the most I've heard in 10 months. I've got to keep training you. Amen. I, I, we're getting close. We're, we're getting close to being a little bit more, Lord help me, forgive me, for being a little bit more charismatic per se. But you know what? That's okay to say amen. Amen. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be excited. It's okay to have some anticipation being in the house of the Lord because is there a better place that you could be this morning? See, I don't think there is. I don't think there's a better place. This is something that we anticipate all week long. This is something that we cherish. This is something that we look forward to. And it's always, always good to be in the house of the Lord because why? Because God is good all the what? He is good all the time. I know Austin did a great job filling in for me last week, and we'll thank him uh, uh, for that. And I know he preached a great message on mercy. We listened to it on our way home from Florida, and so I know that he did a great job. And so, so thankful for him. I want to just give my staff a little bit of appreciation this morning real, real quickly. I could not be the person and the leader I am without having a great staff. And, and that's just the truth. I'm, I'm, we're very, very thankful. Very, very thankful for Austin and what he does with our youth and what he does with our children, him in Brooklyn. Very, very thankful for Billy and his family for what they are doing uh, in our music and in our, in our church family. Uh, very, very thankful for Miss Kathy. I know she is here somewhere back there in the back and all that she does by keeping me and Austin straight during the week. And that is a job in itself, isn't it, Miss Kathy? And so we're very, very thankful. Uh, I pray that you have your Bible with you. If not, there's one in front of you in your pew. We're going old school, going to Genesis chapter 3. Austin and I kind of uh, correlate a little bit this morning with children's sermon and what I'm going to preach on. Uh, we started a series uh, before I took a week off, and we, we've been talking about what, what we're afraid of. And so we're going to continue along that series this week. You can see the title of the sermon this morning is just three little words, fear of what? Fear, fear of sin. And so Genesis chapter 3, you're going to look at verses 1 through 13. That's where your scripture is coming from. Hopefully you have a bulletin. Hopefully you have a pen and a pencil there uh, as we work through uh, the sermon and God's message this morning. So it is the month of October. We all know that. The leaves are changing. The days are getting shorter. Uh, more chili is being cooked. Amen. Uh, I mean, you can eat on chili for a week, but it's here in October. It's full of it's full of spooks. It's full of surprises. It's that time of year where the the mums are in bloom and the the pumpkins are getting carved. It's that time of year where the ghosts and the ghouls are seen decorated in the front yards and uh, they're seen walking the streets in anticipation of of candies and treats. I love candy. Amen. Uh, Thank the Lord for, for the good candy that we get at Halloween. October, it's that one month where the scary things kind of keep us on what? They kind of keep us on, on edge because you never know is going to be around the corner. Which kind of reminds me of a story. There was a pastor, he went out visiting church members on one Saturday afternoon, and it, at one house it was obvious someone was home, but nobody came to the door, even though the preacher knocked several times. And so finally the preacher, he took out his church business card, and he wrote on the back, it said, Revelation 3.20, on the back of it, and he stuck it in the door. Well, that verse says this, Behold, 
I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Well, the next day at at church, surprisingly, the pastor's card, it turned up in the offering plate. And below the preacher's message was written the following quote from Genesis 3.10. I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. (laughs) (sighs) Gotta love it, amen? (laughs) Oh, so let's get a little personal. You ready? What are you? What are you? What are you scared of? You know, maybe it's the preacher stopping by at an unexpected time. Maybe you're scared of black cats. Anybody scared of black cats? Uh, maybe maybe you're scared of walking uh, under ladders, or maybe you're like me and you're scared to death of chainsaws in the moonlight. I'm not sure, but uh, let me ask you this though: Are you afraid of your sinfulness? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Are there sins in your life that's hindering your spirituality? Are there sins in your life that is hindering your fellowship with God and and with others? And are you trying to hide those sins from God? You know, many people, they know the story of Adam and Eve's sinfulness in the Garden of Eden, but, but why were Adam and Eve scared? You know, after they committed that first sin, what was it that they were what was it that they were scared of and why in the world did they ever think they could hide from who? Hide from God. Well, we're going to read exactly what we're going to talk about this morning. Look at Genesis 3 and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of God. It says, "Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made." And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll what? Or you'll die. Verse 4, You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that, that when you eat of, eat of it, your eyes, they'll be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were what? Realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman! You put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. And then verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the great day that you made, Lord. Thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for, uh, Lord, the worship that we've already had this morning, dear
of your praises and of your mercy and of your grace, God. Thank you for letting us come and give of our, our tithes and our stewardship this morning, dear Lord, because we all know that everything we have, Lord, it's a blessing from you, dear God. And so, God, now as we come to the time of hearing your word, Lord, let us not uh, get a little lazy here, Father. Let us not get comfortable, but, Father, help our ears not just to hear, but to listen and to absorb what it is that you would want us to learn this morning. Dear God, Father, we know that every single one of us here, uh, we, we, we fall into sinfulness, Lord. We fall into traps, Father. We fall into situations that, that sometimes we, we know what we're doing, but we get a little bit, uh, a, a little lazy, Father. We, we, we feel like, well, it's not going to hurt us. Did God really say, you know, Lord, that we can't do this and we can't do that? And Father, we find ourselves trying basically to become our own God with our own set of rules and our own set of circumstances. But then, Lord, in the back, you're, you're calling out to us, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Father, you know what's best for us. You love us, God. You provide for us, Lord. And so, God, I pray this morning you open up hearts, open up minds. Let us not just hear it, but, Father, let hearts change. Let lives change. Father, let's see you at work. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. You know, many times when we choose to sin, we like to do it under the cover of darkness or when we think others aren't what? When others aren't watching or when other people aren't looking. And in the case of Adam and Eve, when they chose to sin, they had been forewarned from the Creator not to do the very thing that they did. And that was not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Matter of fact, God told them, He said, look, if you eat from this tree, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to what? You're going to die. So isn't it ironic that once they did the very thing they were told not to do, they tried to hide from who? They tried to hide from God. And so there are several things that we can learn from Adam and Eve's sinfulness that can be of great knowledge for us today, starting with why they hid from God. And this is where your sermon outline starts coming into play. Ready? I believe they hid from God, number one, because sin goes against God's what? It goes against God's commands. Sin goes against God's commands. Now, this is simple. This is easy enough for an 8-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old child to understand the principles that we're talking about this morning. Sin goes against God's commands. So in this situation, it's easy to give Adam and Eve a pass when it comes to dealing with Satan because, honestly, Satan's influence wasn't really even known at this time. And so Adam and Eve, they were created by God. They were put in the garden by God to work and to multiply. They were there as innocent newborn babies, but they were also very naive. They were very naive. Now, the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, it tells us, resist the devil and he will what from you? He will flee from you. And so basically, James is telling us, don't even entertain one word from the devil because Jesus said that the devil is a father of lies, he is a murderer, he is a thief, and he is a destroyer of lives. But in this situation, in this original sin of the Bible, the devil was using his, his cunningness. He was using his deception to impact humanity in such a degree that only the Son of God could set us what? Could set us free. So Satan played, he played these head games. And this is what Satan does today. 
He played these head games with Eve and, he, and he, with her, and he looked at her, he disguised himself. Satan loves to disguise himself. You all know that, amen? He loves to put himself in different images, and he says, did God really say, and here's the question, you ready? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. So he's getting very, very personal with Eve. And through this whole discourse, Satan's goal wasn't just to confuse Eve. It wasn't just to confuse Adam, but his goal was to ruin their what? He wanted to ruin their lives. His goal was their death. His goal was their destruction. And let me tell you, church, that's not changed. Amen? It's the same thing that he wants to do to you today, whether if you are here without a relationship with Jesus or if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he still wants to destroy your life and he wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your hope. He wants to destroy your peace. He wants to take your joy and he wants to take your love and he wants to make you absolutely miserable. And he does it in ways in which we think we're enjoying it. And that's what's scary. The devil is using the same argument with people today, and it usually goes like this. Are you ready? Does the Bible really say I shouldn't? You ready? Does the Bible really say that I shouldn't? And let me say this. And for some, this is going to be easy to absorb, and for others, this is going to be something you may not want to hear. Just because our culture changes doesn't mean God's definition of what sin changes. Now hear that, church. Just because our culture changes does not mean the definition of sin changes. God gave them a commandment of what not to do. So let me ask the church, and you can answer this on your, on your, on your sermon outline. You can answer this in your head. You don't, just don't answer it out loud unless you want to come up and pray when we're ready after the sermon is over. Are you ready? What godly and Christ-like commands are we going against today? Think about that. What godly and Christ-like commands are we going against today in the year 2020? And then secondly, they also tried to hide from God because of this. Sin entices us to be our own what? It does. Sin entices you and me to become our own what? To become our own God. Eve told Satan, but God did say... Eve knew. See, here, here's the thing. Eve knew that God had given them a direct command not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And not only did she know the command, but she knew the consequences of the disobedience. And she told Satan, she said this, you must not touch it or you're going to what? You're going to die. So she knew better. She knew better. Now, I'm not sure how many of you all know the, the story of Satan and why Satan was kicked out of heaven. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. But if you need your memory refreshed, look up Ezekiel 28, 13 through 19, after the service. And you can see why he was kicked out. See, Satan didn't want to be like God. He wanted to be over God. He wanted to be better than God, bigger than God. And he told Eve, he said, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. 
Now, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, he describes in his book, Temptation, how temptation works. Listen to these words. You ready? With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery over the flesh. It makes no difference whether it is sexual desire or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love for fame and power or greed or for money. Joy in God is extinguished in us and we seek all our joy in the creature. The lust thus arouses, envelops the mind and the will of man in the deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from us. The question presents themselves, is what the flesh desires really sin in this case? Is it really not permitted to me? Yes, expected of me. Now, here, in this particular situation, to appease my desire. Is it here that everything within me rises up against the Word of God? So are you with me? This is what sin does. We look at it and we say, well, does God really say that I shouldn't do this? Does God really say if you do this, there's going to be consequences? Does God really telling me that I should not be a part of this, or I should not say this, or I should not be in this type of situation? Is God really telling me this? And then here's what happens. Sin tells us, you be your own what? You do your own thing. You be your own God. And Satan is the king of this slogan. Are you ready? The grass is always greener on the other what? Oh my goodness. He's the king of that. Satan wanted Adam and Eve to believe that what God had given them was not sufficient. He wanted them to believe that they were lacking because they were not God. He wanted them to abandon the commands that God had given them so they could become their own gods. He wanted them to believe that sin doesn't really have consequences. Basically, he was telling them, if you want to do it, then do it. If it makes you happy, then who cares? You just do you. And by taking the fruit, she would become wise. She would become equal with God, decide what is right and what is wrong. She would make the rules and she would do it her what? And she would do it her way. R. Ken Hughes once said, a funeral, funeral director told me that among the unbelieving population, Frank Sinatra's My Way is in first place as a funeral favorite. That was Satan's intention. Everybody just do it your what? Everybody, you just do it your way. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the church is telling you. It doesn't matter what the truth is. You just do it your way. And by the way, no matter how you do it, yeah, it may be sinful, but it's not going to have consequences. Church, let me tell you something right now. Every sin that we get involved in, not only will it have consequences for you, but it's going to have consequences for your whole family. And you can sit there and you can lie to yourself and you can believe, no, 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 no. Brother Donnie, it's just hurting me. It's just, no, it's not. It's hurting your wife. It's hurting your husband. Hurting your daughter. It's hurting your son. It's hurting your grandmother, your grandpa, your uncle and your aunt. It's hurting your neighbors. It's hurting your co-workers. It's hurting everybody that's involved in your life. Now keep lying to yourself. Because this is what you've become. Your own what? You've become your own God. And then thirdly, they tried to hide from God because of this. Sin oftentimes leads to what? Guilt. 
sin oftentimes leads to guilt. What Satan had told Adam and Eve that day was half true. They didn't die. Matter of fact, Adam went on to live another 930 years. But their eyes were opened. They received the knowledge they sought for, but they got it the wrong what? They got it the wrong way. They saw evil and they saw themselves. And before the deception, they had no idea that they were naked. But now they were naked and they desperately needed to cover themselves. Their innocence had vanished and guilt and fear had entered their what? Their lives. You know, isn't it amazing? you got a brand new little baby, eight months, nine months, a year old. They, they just start learning how to walk. Amen? That's the times with a baby. When they first start walking and they're getting into everything and dad comes home and, and here they come just to stumbling to meet daddy and to love mama, love daddy. I mean, it's emotional. Amen? Because we love them. That's how much we love them. And so it's emotional. And so here they come, diapers thrown off. It don't matter. They're running to you. They could care less what they got on because they don't know that they're what? They don't know that they're naked. They don't know that it's something to be to, to cover themselves up. They're not ashamed of who they are and what they're doing. And then they start getting a little older. It's like, look, we got to cover you up. Adam and Eve had no idea what being naked even was. God had made them that way. And then when they went against God's commands, when they went against God's will for their lives, their eyes were opened and they finally saw. And then guilt came in. Satan's scheme had come full circle. He had them doubt God's word. He had them doubt God's commands. He had them doubt God's goodness and provisions, which brought upon their guilt. And you know, I wonder how many people have said this. Let's get personal, real personal. Are you ready? If I had only listened to God. If I had only listened to you, Lord. God, if I had only listened... Maybe my marriage would have made it. God, if I'd only listened, maybe I wouldn't have been an addict or an alcoholic. God, if I'd only listened, Lord, maybe my life would look so much different. See, people oftentimes, they feel the guilt. But that's as far as they're willing to go. That's as far as they're willing to go. And then fourthly, they hid from God because why? Sin oftentimes repels us to hide our what? To hide our actions. This is what sin does. As God approached Adam and Eve, thought it would be nice to try and hide from the Creator of the world, from the one that made it all. And when God asked Adam, He said, where are you? It was more like a father playing hide and seek with the child, and the dad already knew the child's location, just a fingertip away. And God knew where they were, but God wanted them to reply to His what? To His voice. He wanted them to reply. He wanted to have that connection. And Adam realizing that, that God knew where they were, he came out from the trees covered in his fashionable fig leaf. That would be a top seller today, I'm sure. With his face of shame, and Adam and Eve had gone through a change. And all Adam could say was that he hid because he was naked. And Adam wasn't remorseful. There was no admission of, of, of wrongdoing. And, and all Adam confessed was a feeling of fear and a feeling of shame. You know, Psalm 139, 2-3 two, two, two reminds us a great lesson. It says this, 
You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thought from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Church, God knows everything we do. He knows everything that you're involved in. He knows everything that you're looking at. He knows all the actions that are coming and are going. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you go out of sleep. He knows if you're telling the truth to people or if you become a liar. He knows if you're working or if you've become lazy. He knows every single thing about your life. You cannot hide from the Creator. Amen? Now, you might be able to hide inside your sins, you might be able to hide it from your church. You might be able to hide it from your co-workers. You may be able to hide it from your family. But we can't hide our sins from God. He knows them. And then lastly, they tried to hide from God because, number five, sin oftentimes likes to lay the blame on what? Boy, isn't this 2020? Adam said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So Adam tells this whopper of a lie by placing the blame on who? He placed it on Eve. He placed it on his wife. The honeymoon was what? Oh, brother, it was over. Honeymoon was gone. And in his conversation with God, Adam seemingly places the blame on God by telling God it was you who gave me this deceitful what? This deceitful woman. So can you imagine having a conversation with God today, something like this? It was you who placed that adulterous woman in my path, God. I'm not done. It was you who placed that bottle in front of me, God. I'm not done. It was you who made me a drug addict, God. It was you, God, that made me a thief. Lord, you made me a liar. You, you made me to have a life of promiscuity. God, you did this to me. Oftentimes, it's easier to blame God than to just man up and say, No, it's my fault. I did it. I confess it. It's mine and mine alone. Eve also fell into the trap of lying. She blamed the serpent for her disobedience. You know, Will Rogers once said there have been three periods in American history, the passing of the Indian, the passing of the buffalo, and the passing of the buck. Well, guess what period we're living in? We're living in the period of passing the buck because many won't take responsibility for their what? For their mistakes. They won't take it. And poor Adam and Eve were the common day victims that say, God, you're responsible for my situation that has left me so susceptible to sin. My, my upbringing, God, this is your fault, Lord. My abuse, God, what I've been through, Lord, this, this is your fault. My inept parents and, and my teaching, all of this is, is your fault. The brother of Jesus, James, reminds us that passing the buck is never good. And passing the buck, we're never going to get, get away with it. James says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one of us, when tempted, when our own evil desires, he's dragged away and he's enticed. God doesn't tempt you, you tempt yourself. When we fall into sin, that's not God, that's us. 
We did it. It's our fault. It's our responsibility. But this is what happens with sin. And sin doesn't come without consequences. In verses 14 through 19, God put a curse on Satan. He cast judgment down on Adam and Eve. And every single one of us in some way was affected by that sin. And it's because of sin that many people in the church and the majority of people outside of the church believe they can hide from God just like Adam and Eve. And so instead of dealing with the sinfulness in their lives, they continue. We continue to just ignore it not, like it's not there. And, and we tell ourselves, well, you know what? You're not good enough to overcome it anyway. Just do what makes you happy. There's no consequences. All you're doing is hurting yourself. What a lie. What an injustice. This morning, I'm going to give you a few ways to overcome the fear of sin. I want to remind you that through the grace of God, I want to remind you through salvation, I want to remind you that Jesus has given us a way to conquer Satan and all of the lies and all of the deceptions. Are you ready? Four simple things that we can do. Number one, His commands are not what? They're not burdensome. What we find in the Bible is not burdensome. 1 John 5, 3 tells us this is the love of God to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. We live in a culture that does not like to be told what to do. And many believe that church, it's all about the do's, it's all about the don'ts of life. Well, God wants us to live a holy life. Under his direction, not the world's. The problem is Satan has influenced the world to believe his lies, that God's way is burdensome, that God's way is less exciting, that God's way will be the less popular way. And if you live a life under God, nobody's going to want to love you. Nobody's going to want to be your friend. You're not going to be popular. You're not going to be this and you're not going to be that. Listen to me. You ready? If God takes something from your life, he's going to put something better in replace of it that's what he's going to do and if he takes something from your life it may be that that something was hurting your life but fear sets in number two continually stay in God's what stay in God's word 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, all scriptures God breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Church, listen to me. I'm going to give you something that's politically incorrect. Are you ready? When we start listening to man instead of God, then man becomes God. And that's the culture we're living in today. When there is a conflict between man and a conflict between the Word of God, what do we go with? We go with the Word of God. This is what we go with because we believe in the Word of God. Stay in God's Word. See, well, Brother Donnie, I just can't do it. I can't read God's Word. I, I, I just, I, I get up and then, then I have a brain fart, Brother Donnie, and I can't stay focused and I can't do it. Then go get you, get, get you a journal. Go get you a devotional. Go get, there's, they got them for men, they got them for women, they got them for children, they got them for your kids, your youth of all ages. Find you something to every morning when you get up or you have a break, whatever it is, get in that Word of God. Because typically what we do when we get up, we get in that silly phone. 
Well, did you see what Facebook had on it? Oh, my Lord. The gossip and meals already started at 9 a.m. Did you see where so-and-so, they broke up? Did, did y'all see the wreck? Did y'all, did y'all see where they broke in? The, get, get, get into something positive, amen? Get off the mess and get off the hatred and get off the politics and get in the Word of God. That's what's going to help you in life. That's what's going to make you a difference maker to you and to those that God puts around you. It's His Word. Number three, ask God for what? Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess it, He's faithful and just, He's going to forgive our sins, and He's going to purify us of all unrighteousness. For those here without Christ, you, you can't overcome sin by yourself. I'm just going to tell you. You need a Savior. But for those of us that are in Jesus, God has given you a spirit of power and conviction. So quit hiding, quit feeling remorse. Instead, overcome your fears and let go and let God. God knows what you are dealing with, so let it go. Give it to Him. Get up to this altar and pray. Father, forgive me. Lord, help me. Give me strength. You know, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. If you miss Sunday school, you missed a blessing. I'm just telling you, when you miss Sunday school, you're missing a blessing. We talked about this morning, Neil talked about how when God made us in Christianity, that God didn't want us to be alone. He made us to be together. And we need each other. We need each other for support. We need each other for when a man can look at a man and say, Brother, you're heading down a road of destruction. We need women that can look at each other and help hold each other accountable. We need to be together in prayer group and in fellowship. And what we're doing in this church, people that will look at you and tell you, when you go down that road, there may be no coming back. You need that. We all need that. And I'm telling you, the last seven months, Satan has been smiling from ear to ear because there are individuals that are hurting spiritually. There are families that are hurting spiritually. There are marriages that are hurting spiritually. There are individuals that are hurting spiritually. And Satan has loved it because he's isolated us. He's isolated people. And last but not least, quit passing the what? Quit passing the buck. Quit passing the buck. Grow up. Amen. If you've been a Christian for 10 years and you look at yourself and you say, you know, I have not matured in my walk since day one. Quit passing the buck and grow up. Amen. Grow up. On Calvary's three crosses, there was Jesus in the middle. And he was surrounded by a thief on the right, and he was surrounded by a thief on his left. And Jesus hung there innocent among the guilty. Think about this. One of the thieves began to listen, and before he died, he declared his guilt. But he also did something else. He declared Jesus free of guilt. And not only... Did he own his own sin, but he knew someone that day that was willing to take his sin to the cross. He witnessed it. He heard it. So I want to ask you right now, what sin are you carrying? What sin is putting the burden upon you? Are you ignoring it? 
Is it crippling your spirituality? Is it crippling your fellowship with the church? Is it crippling your witness and your devotion and who you're supposed to be in Jesus? The Bible tells us we don't have to fear sin because Christ gave a spirit of strength to overcome sin. He's given us victory. He's given us a church family to love and to uphold us. And church, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know how people are making it without a church family today. I don't know how people are making it without a church family. And you may be one of those. Maybe you're one of those at home. Maybe you're one here today that's saying, well, Brother Donnie, I've been hurt in the church. And I've been hurt. Well, let me tell you, I've been hurt at McDonald's too. And I keep on going back. Amen? Where there's people, there's imperfection. But we serve a perfect God. And I promise you, if you're looking for a church home, this is a church home that's going to love you. This is a church home that's going to get you involved. This is a church home that's going to push you and encourage you and try to disciple you to make you the best person that Jesus wants you to be. This is what you need. This is what God wants for your life. But sometimes we got to let go. Sometimes we got to let go and we got to let God do what's best for our lives. around your neck, and you'll feel like you can barely move. Let go. Give it up. Come and pray, and pray to God for strength. Pray to God for forgiveness. And starting from this day can be a very new day for you. And so Billy comes, and we sing this morning as we have this invitation. This is your invitation. I know God's moving. I know there's hearts that are stirring. I know that there's people that need to come and there's people that need to pray. So maybe this morning is not about praying for you. Maybe it's about praying for a family. Maybe it's about praying for a friend or a neighbor. Maybe it's about praying where you are with your walk with God. I don't know, but you know. And so God's challenged you. Will you come this morning? Will you pray?